You are listening to The Game Plan on the official Raiders Podcast Network. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Mike Dial, kind enough to join us, former tight end from the Silver and Black, and he played for the Raiders from 89 through 91, Chiefs, Chargers, and what a college career he had. Mike, good to talk to you again. Thanks for coming on. How are you? Happy New Year. Hey, JT, Happy New Year. How are you doing? Couldn't be better. Thanks so much for doing this, and we get you on as an alumni right after the season comes to an end. Just your thoughts on the Raiders, a 6-3 and three team, looked like they had playoff aspirations, came up short, but really finished on a high note in Denver. They did. You know, watching them through the year, uh, obviously thought we, they were going to make the turn and, and get back in the playoffs, but you know, they've got such a good nucleus of, of good young players. Uh, I think they're going to be back. I think they're they're in, you know, for the future, I think they're in good position for moving forward, for sure. Mike Dial's our guest. Mike, what did it mean for you as a tight end to see the all-time reception record of Tim Brown being broke by a tight end and Darren Waller? What do you think of him as a player? You know, that guy's just amazing. Watching him, the athleticism, I think it's fantastic. Uh, love, love to watch those tight ends get the football, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, and what's interesting, Mike, in your era, too, you had some guys who could do that, and you played at a high level, and the Kellen Winslow and Todd Christensen, when, when tight ends started lining up more in the slot than instead of the old-time tight ends like Ditka and the ones who legendaries came beforehand, I, I love the way that Gruden uses Waller outside the tackle box, could put him wide, could put him in the slot, and he becomes a primary target instead of a blocking tight end who might catch a few balls. Well, and you, you got a guy that's so physical and the size of a tight end that can run like a wide receiver. I mean, it just makes sense to put him out wider where he can utilize the field more and take advantage of his skill set. You know, when I played, there was there was a kind of it goes through a transition. A lot of the tight ends were big, you know, heavy blockers, and, and then it started making the transition into some smaller type guys that can move and run and catch. And that was kind of when I was in there. Then it kind of made a transition back to some bigger guys, and that, now it seems like it's coming back the other way again, where they're utilizing these guys with athletic abilities. You know, the the Travis Kelseys and the the Wallers uh, of the NFL right now. It's pretty exciting to watch from a tight end perspective. Mike Dial joins us, former tight end from the Raiders. Mike, tell everybody your backstory, especially coming out of a passionate community for high school football in Texas and your backstory on how you ended up playing and excelling in high school and made it to college on the road to the NFL. What were the big takeaways from your early years? Well, coming out of Kerrville, you know, Kerrville more recently here has been known, you know, where Johnny Manziel played his high school career we, we were able to watch him as he was growing up but we've, we've got a good football tradition here in Kerrville obviously in Texas Texas high school football is huge and you know I was, I was a quarterback in high school so wasn't widely re- recruited uh, I was not a quarterback but I was I played it in high school and Texas A&I gave me an opportunity gave me a full ride scholarship and went down there and the history at Texas A&I you know I it was probably seven guys that, that I played with that went into the NFL. So, so for a smaller school division two program, uh, there were a lot of guys that were making it into the league and, you know, having, you know, the, the players, Gene Upshaw and, and Daryl green and John Randall, just to name a few, we've got three hall of famers that came out of wow. AI. And so wow. it was a, it was a heck of a football experience, but still it's small college football, but it's obviously played the same. I just don't think we had the, the depth, you know, that the bigger division one schools had, but we played some pretty good football, but then getting the opportunity to come to the Raiders, 
I mean, I jumped on. I wasn't drafted. Um, I was actually in Atlanta after the draft working out for them, and they actually offered me a free agent contract. And I was taking a shower and got a phone call from my agent, uh, who was, in the, was Jack Bechtga, who, who actually played at A&I, and then he's, he's still an agent in the league right now. But he called and said, hey, look, don't sign anything. Uh, the Raiders offered you a deal. I mean, we looked at you know, the, the style of tight end that they used, which obviously Todd Christensen was there at the time and Trey Junkin, Andy Parker, but um, it was just seemed like a, a good fit for us. And I was just super excited, especially, I mean, Lester Hayes had a one of his cousins, Moses Horn, played with me in college. And so I remember all the gift packages that, that Moses would get from Lester Hayes with Raider paraphernalia and gloves and cleats. And so I was a big fan of the Raiders anyway and, and knowing about Gene Upshaw. So I was thrilled uh, to get the opportunity to go into Raider camp and try to make the team. And it just, you know, it was just one of those things. Got there, worked hard and made a few catches the first couple of days in practice and, and got invited back for summer camp and, and just, I don't know, just, it was just an amazing time and everything just worked out well as an undrafted free agent. And what, what an awesome, you know, time I, I had playing for the Raiders. And if I recall, Mike Dial's our guest, you got injured. Didn't you get injured in a preseason game, but still was practicing through that and really gained a reputation in the locker room and the organization as a hard worker working through all that. Yeah, I got I got an injury my rookie year in one of the preseason games. And right. so I was put on injured, injured reserve. And, um, you know, it, it, that was probably the best thing for me. It was like having a redshirt year. And so when I got healthy, I was able to practice every day. And, I mean, you know, you go against Howie Long and, and some of these guys on a daily basis, Jerry Robinson, you know, these guys were just incredible. And they would teach you. They would, you know, Jerry, I just remember some of the guys on the defensive side. I mean, I'm, I'm practicing against them, and they're giving you tips on how to do this, how to do that, how to position yourself with blocking. And they're on the other side of the ball. So they were instrumental in me learning that position and getting used to that level of competition that enabled me to come back the next year and actually start, you know, as uh, mm-hmm. uh, my second year. So it was an incredible time. Mike, once a Raider, always a Raider. We got Jason Witten coming up right behind you. He's going to the Hall of Fame. I wanted to ask you, you're treated just like any other Raider. Mark Davis cares for all of you. You got your legacy brick. What does this organization mean to you at this stage of your life? You know, it means a lot. In fact, Going back to the Raider reunions and, and what they're doing, we weren't able to go this year because of obviously the crazy year that we've had, but I've taken my son back uh, with me to one of the reunions, my wife a couple times. It, what, what, what they're doing with the alumni, like I said before, it, it's first class bar none, uh, taking care of their ex-players and including everyone. You know, they've asked us to reach out to players that, that maybe have not been contacted that we keep in touch with. Um, I think it's phenomenal. Uh, it brings back so many memories, uh, the reunions. In fact, during the Zoom reunion we had, I was able to connect with Steve Strahan after mm. the meeting. He, he got my number and called me, and we hadn't spoken in you know probably 30 years. And kind of the same thing. You know, We were there together for probably maybe three or four years in a short period of time in our life, but you know, all the experiences we went through, we reconnected like that and shared memories and stories and stuff that he brought up and some things that I remembered. So it was incredible. But 
you know, I just so appreciate Mark Davis and uh, the Raider, just the the uh, alumni group, everything they're doing. It's first class. We're just I'm really blessed to, to be part of the Raider Nation, and I just feel that way. We feel that way, too, Mike. I wish I had more time. We'll do it again. I can't wait to see you out here in Vegas when Mark Davis opens up the stadium. All the alumni come back. It'll be well worth the wait. Awesome. Thank you, JT. Touchdown, Las Vegas. Since starting Allegiant some 20 years ago, we've flown more than 100 million people to be with those they love. We're pilots, flight attendants, and technicians, but we're also parents, spouses, and neighbors. And just like you, we're excited to reconnect with the people and places that matter most. That's why we're going the distance for health and safety on the ground and in the air. Because the further we go now, the safer it'll be to go farther tomorrow. Allegiant, the official airline of the Las Vegas Raiders. Low fares, nonstop flights, only at Allegiant.com. I always enjoy talking to Brad Badger, mostly in person when we're up in Napa or at a Raider game or I get to see him socially at all these Raider functions. And I get to interview him on his birthday. Brad, thanks for doing this. Happy birthday, my friend. How are you? I'm great, you know, just working and getting stuff done around the house and, you know, just trying to get through the pandemic. Absolutely. How is How are you doing that? How are you and your family doing? I get to see you often, and it's been a while here. How optimistic are you now that we're in a new year that we're going to be on the better side of this thing eventually? Uh, you know, I think in about three to six months, everything is going to, get to a point where there's enough vaccinations out that you know it'll be uh we'll be able to get back to some normalcy and i can't wait to get down and experience the new stadium and you know catch up with you it's been a while we missed this year's uh napa trip that was always a an enjoyable event that the raiders put on mark davis and and mark bedain they they do it first class and i know we've experienced it together many times and it, it is a wonderful event to see teammates and and you know see you and your wife and enjoy the time yeah right back at you i miss seeing you uh, that event it's hopefully uh, one of the bigger events we can get back on the calendar i want to go through what you thought this year of the team from a distance when you saw the offensive line trent brown was in and out a lot when he was in there he's a hell of a player but the raiders didn't have him available much richie incognito went out early in the year with that achilles and they couldn't get him back again and that offensive line didn't play a lot of games together. The backups had to step up and help out. Well, I, I think it was very highly of Tom Cable and, you know, being able to put the exchangeable parts in. But to, to have your, your top dudes in there certainly helps, you know, uh, having Brown out and Incognito out hurt them. And, and I'm hoping that 2021 is going to bring a healthier line. And, and I know Tom will always get whoever's up there ready to go. But um, – Hopefully we'll have a, a healthier season as far as the line goes. Brad Badger is our guest. I agree with you. They have to have them healthy and playing games together. It's just this every game, every game, Brad, as you knew, we didn't know who was playing because of COVID and COVID protocol until maybe there was one, yeah. one game, a Tampa game, when none of them were there. They didn't practice the whole week and showed up on game day. That's tough to do because you were a great practice player too. And I want to go back with that on how you were accountable and available during the week, knowing that you had to jump in and start, or if you were going to step in for a teammate, how you physically and mentally prepared every week as you were a Raider? Uh, you know, Denny Green, I played for him in years four and five, had a line that I really appreciated and took took it to heart. He said, know your role, accept your role, and be the best of your role. And I just, I always tried to say, whatever you need me to do, and that, you know, I was kind of a utility guy, sometimes a starter, sometimes not that I needed to be ready to step up and, and you know, be be the offensive line coaches or the head coach's baby, uh, 
baby blanket. So mm-hmm. uh, fill in wherever. And, and I certainly did. I ended up playing four different positions in a game, regular season game on the offensive line, along with, with tight ends. So I, I really just tried to do as much as I could to help a team along injuries, you know, jump into a different position to allow someone who was ready to get some playing time at a different position that I was filling in for, you know, whatever else I was a starter. I, I was the guy that they could trust to move around. And, and I, I knew my role and I accepted it. And I, I tried to be as, the best I could at it. Brad Badger's our guest. Yes, you were a great teammate. Played with the Raiders 2002 to 2006. Redskins, Vikings, Cardinals on the back end. But I want to go back to where I've, I've talked to you about this in your past, your academics and the run that you had. You were all Pac-10 in 1996, but not many people know your backstory, how you grow up. You go to high school in Corvallis, Oregon, and end up at Stanford. What was that process like? Yeah, you know, I, I... – I wasn't the highest recruited guy and I ended up getting the opportunity to go to Stanford and I, I did lay an importance with academics and, and chose to go to school there. Didn't help or didn't hurt that Bill Walsh was the head coach and they had just won the Pac-10. They were co-Pac-10 champions in 1992 season. And, uh, you know, it just loved the opportunity to come down and, you know, it was amazing the amount of people that you, you get to meet in the, the type of talent that you get to meet and there's anything from like people who are wonderful piano composers to, you know, Tiger Woods, arguably the best golfer ever. And it just the time to rub shoulders with people like that was amazing. Brad Badger joins us. Yeah. Went to Stanford, played for the Raiders. And how did you juggle academics? And my follow-up will be, you're seeing kids now that have to do online homeschooling via zoom what have you learned through that process? Because you had the highest education you could possibly get in this country. I, it was a struggle. You know, I, I got there and was able to balance football, which is, people people may not realize this, but, you know, they say it's 20 hours a week of your time, but it's probably closer to 35 or 40 hours a week. And then on top of that, performing at a high level with school, you, you just have to be really focused and really organized and, you know, don't let days or weeks go by where you're not putting in the effort to get done because it's not a whole lot of wiggle room to, to, to get out of those holes. Um, I, I have two kids now that are going through homeschool, and mm-hmm. it's, it's unfortunate. I know that they miss school now, and I, I'm actually thankful for that. Like, it's given them perspective. Would you rather be home or would you rather be at school? I would say overwhelming percentage of kids would say I'd, I'd rather be at school and have some normalcy. So I am hopeful that we can get back to that and get the kids back to school and, you know, give them, you know, the social life that's so important as well as the academic life. Wrapping up with Brad Badger, former Raider offensive lineman, once a Raider, always a Raider, brought to you by the Raiders alumni department and everything they're doing with the legacy brick and keeping these former players together what do you miss most, Brad, about your teammates? Oh, uh, it's just the camaraderie of hanging out with the guys. You know, the times that I've spent with you, it's you know, we're still together with the alumni and guys that I played with, Barry Sims, you know, Chris Cooper, Langston Walker, you know, anyone who's showing up to that event that got a chance to play with, it's, it's always fun to, to catch up. And you, you just miss the kind of locker room camaraderie that you get. I've joked around, you say you miss you – miss, uh, the camaraderie in the locker room, and Sundays and payday. Those are kind of what you miss. <laughs> yeah, I would think that Sunday and then payday. 
Uh, last thing, what do you want to do with Vegas? What What is your plan once the virus is over or we have the vaccinations to come on in here? Because I know the alumni department really counts on you a lot. You're, you've reached out to them. They reach out to you, and you love coming here to town. I, I'm in. I'm, I'm all in. When we get the thumbs up, I'm in. That's all we need to hear. Take care. Hey, have a great birthday. I'm thrilled. You know, we're friends in real life, so when my every morning when my Facebook birthdays open up, and I got about four or five people a day, and I hit happy birthday and the exclamation, I was like, wait, I think I'm interviewing Brad today, and it's his birthday, so enjoy it with your wife and kids and really celebrate. I will. Thanks for the time, JT. Say hi yeah. to the family, and we'll see you soon. Once a Raider, always a Raider. Phil Livingston kind enough to join us with this segment. 1980 Raider, legendary team member. And Phil, sorry about some of our technical issues. Thrilled we can get you on again. Happy New Year. How are you, sir? Thank you, JT. It's great to be on, especially heading into a wild card weekend. And we can celebrate the 40th anniversary of the first team to win the wild, be the wild card team and win the Super Bowl that that team that I was so lucky to be a member of with so many great guys in the 1980 Raiders. Tell us how you came to that team. Give us our give our listeners the backstory, how your career from college to the pros and how you ended up with Al Davis in that unit. You know, it, it's a, I'll be quick, but I played at Maryland. Uh, I was an offensive tackle at Maryland and uh, signed as a free agent with the Raiders. Uh, I remember distinctly that uh, the Raiders offered me a $3,000 signing bonus on top of a $28,000 a year salary. And all the other teams, the Jets, the Dolphins, the Eagles, they offered me $2,500 as a sign-in bonus and, a tw- and the same salary, $28,000. And uh, Johnny Otten uh, for five, offered me $500 more in signing bonus. And I said, I'm going to take that $500 extra. I'm going to sign with the Raiders. I love the Raiders, even on the East Coast that I was. And uh, I'm going to go see California. I thought I'd get cut in a couple weeks. I was signed up to go to graduate school later that year. And uh, lo and behold, Al, Al Davis personally really took a liking to me. He liked big guys. You know, he liked guys like me, the twos, Ted Hendricks, Phil Yaw. I remember Charles Phil Yaw, who was a giant of a man, uh, was there in, uh, in training camp at least. He didn't make the 80 team, but, uh, you know, a bunch of big guys. Al loved big guys and and he took a liking to me and really was that why I made the I made the team but he but then they put me on the practice squad and I basically was a practice squad player all that year and uh fortunately that that kind of Ted uh Hendricks and the twos we were all six seven we looked eye to eye and for whatever reason those two guys took me under their wings and uh, you know while I was on the practice squad practice all year was there all the time but I was lucky enough to hang out with Ted and the twos and uh, mainly have a whole lot of fun with what was a really hard partying. Uh, You know, it was the classic Raiders, hard partying, take no prisoners, go to war, moonshine driven uh, Oakland Raiders that we all know and love from that era. Bill Livingston, that Super Bowl run of 1980 wild card, beating the Oilers and then Red right, 88 against the Browns, 14-12. But what about that AFC championship game against the Chargers? Plunkett talks about that all the time, his greatness before the Super Bowl win over the Eagles, your memory of the AFC championship game and the win as a wild card. Well, the main main thing that I actually remember more about, you know, what was so ironic, that year – uh, out, you know, 79, the year before the Raiders had missed the playoffs for the first time in a long time. 
And in the offseason, Al and uh, the newly, you know, newly back to the Raiders, Ron Wolf, remade the Raiders, and uh, they traded. He traded in that summer before the '80 season. He traded Kenny Stabler to the Oilers for for Dante Pastorini, and he traded Phil Villapiano, Raider great, Raider beloved guy. They traded. We, uh, Al traded him to the Oilers for Bobby Chandler, who ended up having an incredible year and a super important year for us. And then he uh, he traded Jack Tatum, another beloved core Raider. He traded him to the Oilers for Kenny King, who we all know had mm-hmm. that incredible sure. run, longest run in touch, the longest touchdown Super Bowl history for many years. And he signed Cedric Hardeman that year, and he signed Todd Christensen, and he signed Burgess Owens. And then he drafted he drafted a D lineman from Pennsylvania. And I say D lineman intentionally because it was. Uh, D lineman from Penn State, Matt Millen, in the second round. Mark Wilson was the first round pick. Matt was the second round pick. And Matt played, and I played against him. Maryland played Penn State every year we played. Matt was a down lineman. I was an offensive lineman. So I played against him a number of times in college. And of course, Al flipped uh, Matt to middle linebacker. And, um, you know, Matt had a great career as a middle linebacker. But uh, I thought always thought it was so ironic that he had traded away Stabler, and uh, in about five games into the season, he traded Casper to the Oilers. And then in the first round of the playoffs, guess who comes back to town? Kenny Stabler and Dave Casper on the Oilers on the other sideline, playing for the Oilers. Of course, we beat them and and went on to to uh, Cleveland and San Diego and and then into the Super Bowl. Wow! Hey, last one. Tell us about the fight. Yeah in practice leading uh-huh. up to the Super Bowl yeah. that was written about in Sports Illustrated? The um, Super Bowl, it was in New Orleans that year, and it was just, uh, we, you know, we were the bad boy Raiders, and we were playing the Eagles, and they had Dick Vermeil, and, and Dick Vermeil had his team in having a 10 o'clock curfew and snack every night in their hotel. We were out on Bourbon Street tearing up the town. The twos was on the front of the, uh, the, the New Orleans newspaper in the morning with two girls on each arm. You know, front page, I can still see that newspaper. And the, and the Eagles were having their 10 p.m. snacks in, uh, in their, at their hotel. But uh, that year, uh, Gene was getting towards the end of his career. And, you know, one thing I, I really meant to point this out to people that we are beloved Raider Nation out there. Uh, that team was led by three guys. And, and, you know, Jim, Jim's a great quarterback, and he gets uh, – quarterbacks always get all the praise. But the leaders of that 1980 team were Gene Upshaw, Art Shell, and on defense, Ted Hendricks. And those guys were incredible. They were just incredible leaders. You know, they're incredible athletes, off-the-charts athletes, of course, but incredible leaders. But the, Al was worried about Gene, and I was a practice squad guy – and he wanted me uh, – I was, I was playing defensive line on Thursday. We had offensive day on Thursday, and uh, I was playing defensive line right over Gene. And he was worried Dennis Harrison was the D lineman for the Eagles, and he was a good player, and Al was worried about him. So in practice, Al, Al literally – and, you know, Al was pure football guy. I let people forget that Al was a, a, a coach right from the get-go mm-hmm. and, at Army and SC. I mean, Al was pure football guy. So – and he didn't do this often, but he came out on the field and got right behind me. And he had studied Dennis Harrison, and he was telling me the moves to make. 
and he was worried about wow. teams, trying to get team ready, and he was going, go harder, Livingston, go harder, Livingston. We've got to get them ready. And uh, I, I, so, you know, in practice, you don't want to beat each other. You want to make each other work. But uh, he was making me go hard, and, and I went and I beat Gene, and I went to buy and tag Jim, the quarterback, and I went on by. And then about five minutes later, I did it again. I beat Gene again. And I tagged Jim, and I and I ran about four or five steps past, and at a dead full run from behind, Gene hit me in the back, and he was so pissed off, you know. And I don't blame him, but mm-hmm. uh, I I wheeled around. We got in a huge fight. I grabbed him by his face mask, sort of sort of like a hockey fight. I grabbed him by the face mask, hit him about three times, you know, with my right hand, and the and the team all circled around, and they're screaming and yelling and. And uh, when they broke us up, Gene came running at me and he tried to kick me in the balls. And he literally scraped across my thighs. I had scrape marks. He missed my, my jewels, but I literally had cleat marks uh, across the thighs from the. Unreal. So it just was super intense. We were, you know, it was a great bunch of players, knew how to get ready, knew how to focus when it needed, you needed to focus and, and then have fun when you needed to have right. fun. And uh, it was just a great, a great uh, experience. And we were ready to, we practiced well, we prepared well, and went on to win the game. Phil, I ran a little late, but it was worth every second of it. You're a great storyteller. (laughs) You're great for radio. When you come out to Vegas and we open up out here, you sit in with me for an hour and we'll co-host, okay? Yeah, JT, I, I really enjoyed it. I have a million stories from that year. And, uh, but go Raiders. Uh, Thank you. Love the Raiders. Uh, The alumni activities are so great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Game Plan on the official Raiders Podcast Network.